Amen. Good morning. Let's stand. Some of you are so quick to sit back down. You know, you know the drill. Turn, turn around and wave and smile at somebody. Say welcome to Grace Point. Glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting, we bless you for being here. Hebrews chapter 6 this morning, verses 13 through 15. And I actually want to read it out of the, uh, the New King James, and then we'll go to the message translation as well. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 says, For when God made a promise, isn't that neat that the last song they just sung was about the promises of God, or yes and amen. And we didn't, we didn't even coordinate that. Isn't that, isn't that good? Everybody say promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, you know, God made a promise to you, many promises. We're going to talk about some of them today. And because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessings. Notice this, I will. Everybody say, I will. I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. The title of the message today is the I wills of God, the I wills of God. Look in verse 15, and so after he had patiently endured, right there's where we have trouble, he obtained the promise. So between the promise and inheriting the promise, that's where you patiently endure. That's sometimes the tough part, right? Moses went into Egypt, promised them a land flowing with milk and honey, and between Egypt the bondage, being delivered, and crossing into the promised land, there was a wilderness. Remember that? And that's where the patient endurance comes in. And this is the message version of these same verses. In verse 13, it said, when God, listen to how this reads, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. Putting his own reputation on the line, he said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that he had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. But when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Can you say amen to God's word? You can be seated this morning. God bless you. You know, every day you and I wake up with a choice. We have the choice of focusing on our problems. Now, if you don't have any problems, just hang on. They're coming. But I presently have some, Right? Anybody in here that's in my company today has got some problems. So every day we get to wake up focused either on our problem or on our promise. And that's our choice every day. Now listen, if you come to Jesus with a promise to deal with your problem, then what's getting ready to happen is a miracle on your behalf. I said an absolute, absolute miracle. But you know what? A lot of people don't get this, but in the New Testament there is no such thing as just the gift of miracles. You following me? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, it's the, it's the gift of the working 
of miracles. In other words, when you see a miracle in the Bible, Old or New Testament, you see God and man co-laboring together to bring about that miracle. And, and, and God doesn't need much, but what God needs to, to move in that situation is our faith in him. And our faith in him is demonstrated in by what we do. Can you say amen to that? Now, it don't have to be a lot. It don't have to be much. But you can have a huge problem like 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, so we can say 10 to 20,000 people that are hungry. That's a huge problem. You can make that uh, your bills. You can make that whatever you want to make it. But how many can see that's a big problem? And, and, and the disciples said, we need to just send these people away. Jesus said, if you send them away in this condition, they'll faint. That word faint means die along the journey. He said, you give them something to eat. They said, Lord, we don't have anything to give them. He said, find out what you got. They went and looked, and they said, we found a little boy that's got five loaves and two small fish. Jesus said, that's enough. Bring it to me. See, it don't have to be a whole lot. And, and, and by the giving of that fish to Jesus, that was expressing faith in that person that was asking for it. It can be a woman, a widow that's got two sons, and the debtors are coming. She said to take them to make them slaves because she can't pay her bills. She told the prophet, what am I going to do? This is 2 Kings 4. What am I going to do? He said, what do you have in your house? See, God's always going to reach for what we've got. Everything you need, God's already given you. And what God calls for, he's already supplied. He said, what do you have in your house? She said, I don't have anything but a little bit of oil in a, in a vessel. He said, go borrow many vessels and start pouring. And, and, a, and a miracle happened because she was working with God. It's the working of miracles. The other widow in the Bible said she was going to eat her last meal with her son and die. The prophet said the same thing. What do you got in the house? She said, I just have a handful of flour in the barrel. He said, that's all you need. He said, make me a cake. And the, the, the flour never ran out. A miracle. It's, you, you can go all through the Bible. It's just like that. You can go into the New Testament, and your name can be Peter, and your taxes are due, and you can't pay them. And you come to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus didn't rake out money to him, did he? He told this former fisherman, he said, go throw your a hook into the, into the water, into the sea. And he said, the first fish that you catch, look into his mouth and you'll find a coin. He said, pay your taxes. And he said, while you're down there, pay mine also. Isn't that cool? But see, notice he didn't tell this former fisherman to go build a house and try to sell it. He told him something that he was vocationally equipped to do. God's not asking you to do something weird and something crazy. God, God is just saying, put faith in me. And, and it may look silly. This was a net fisherman. Peter didn't fish with hooks. He fished with nets. But he said, I want you to still use your fishing skills, but just go throw one hook into the water. That's all you need because that first fish you catch is going to have a How long did he fish? The Bible doesn't say. How long did he sit there? Was it one hour, one day, a week? I don't know. See, that's that patiently enduring from the promise to the provision of the promise. And, but see, when, when you focus on the problem, listen to me, when we focus on our problems, what we're doing, it, it, that's all about us. That's saying I'm in control and i got to fix this and what can I do to fix my problem? I want to tell you that's a guaranteed failure right there. That's a guaranteed failure. But when you focus on the promise from God, if you, it's all right you got a problem and it's okay to come talk to God about your problem, but you've got to bring a promise to God. 
And, and so when you come with a promise, then what that's about, that ain't about you anymore. That's about God. And that's about you trusting God to deal with that problem. You know, in the Bible it says in Exodus 19 and 8, this is after the children of Israel had been delivered out of Egypt and the, the law was read to them, the law that God had given to Moses. And so he read all the law in their presence, and this is what they boasted and said. They said that we will do everything the Lord commands. In other words, they made a promise. They said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep all of those laws we just heard read to us. We're going to keep every one of them. They didn't keep any of them. Didn't keep any of them. You, you ever made a promise to God? You ever broke a promise to God? See, some people, they get in real problems and situations, and, and they go into that negotiating term with God. God, if you'll just do this, then I'll be better. I'll do this if you do this. You, you, you haven't got anything to bargain with. You haven't got anything to bargain with. And God doesn't do business that way. God doesn't, God doesn't need you to, to give up something or to sacrifice something. in Because, see, that doesn't make a good daddy. A good daddy just, just does it. See, it's on him. See, God's good not because you offered him something. God was good before you was there. Are, are you hearing me? And, and, and see, a lot of times we, we have made these promises. Sometimes they're boasts like the children of Israel. We'll keep every promise. We, we'll do everything that we said. And, and when you do that, listen to me, that's just a recipe for disaster. When, when you make an impossible promise to God, you, you're going to invariably, you're going to break that. And, and if we could just learn this, that when the Lord demands something uh, that you can't provide, he's going to provide it. He, he, he's the provider. This, this is the lesson of the old covenant and yet many of us today, living in grace, living in the new covenant, we still haven't got that. What we do is we get stuck in this vicious cycle. We make and break promises over and over to God. And then when we break a promise to God, we feel horrible about it. Then we repent. We tell God we're going to do better. We're going to try harder. And we just keep repeating this vicious cycle over and over and over. This is what God says. God's promises are based on him, not based on us. Jeremiah 32 and 40, chapter 32, verse 40 of Jeremiah says, I will make an everlasting, I will. Remember the I wills? I'll make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. I will inspire them to fear me, and they will never turn away from me. See, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is the difference between I will versus he will. Are you with me? See, in the Old Covenant, they broke their word, they broke their promises over and over and over again. But, but God keeps his promises forever. That's a huge difference, y'all. Now listen, if you, if you took a piece of paper and you'd write down and you listed all the promises that you've ever made to God, what you would have would be a worthless list. Worthless list. Every promise that we've ever made to God, listen to me, is either a launching pad. In other words, it's a launching pad uh, to disappointment because you're going to break it, and then you're going to say, I'm sorry I disappointed you, God, or I'm sorry I broke that promise, or, and, and, and here we go again. Or either it's a launching pad to arrogance and pride. Look how good I am. Look what I've done. Look at this great thing I've done. And, and, and that's just as bad. It's just the other side of the same, same coin. It's much, much better to, to, to focus on the promises and the I wills that God made to us. So 
Listen to just a few of them. These are just, just a few of them, of the I wills that's in the Bible. Now, I'm not going to give you every verse reference. If you want it, I can give it to you. But I'm just going to read that. And it, this is exactly how it's written in the Bible. Listen to these promises. I already read this. I'm going to read this one again. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to you. I will bless you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will have compassion on you. I will forgive your wickedness. I will remember your sins no more. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you. I will save you. I will not forget you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will be with you when you pass through the waters and through the flame. I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your tree and the produce of your field. I will rescue you from every attack and will bring you safely to my heavenly kingdom. I will never cast you out. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will raise you up even on the last day. Can somebody say amen? And, and I could have read three times that many of them. But that, those are the I wills because it it's not based on us. Everything you need, everything you need, this is the lesson that we've got to learn. Everything God requires, he's already provided. Everything you need, salvation, holiness, righteousness, he freely supplies that according to the riches, he says, of his grace through Christ Jesus. So we, we, we've got to stop boasting about what we're going to do and what we're going to try to do and making God a promise. And we've got to boast and find our peace, just like they sung that they find our peace in the I wills of God. Because there's no ifs in God's promises to us. There's no, there's no conditions on it that you've got to fulfill in order for that promise to be your promise. That's your promise because God didn't put any conditions on it. All he asks is that you take him at his word and that you believe him and that you, you, you focus on his eternal goodness that's revealed through his son, Jesus Christ, and you, you stand on his promises. You know, the Bible says, it talks about Abraham being a person, and it says it like this, it says, against all hope, Abraham believed in hope. Against all hope. What's it talking about? It's talking about the promise that God made him that through his own lineage, through his own seed, through his own son, Isaac, that the promised Messiah would come and that they would be, that his seed would be as the sands of the sea, as the stars of the, of the heavens. And, and the Bible says that, that Abraham, in, in facing all of that, being his body a oh, hundred years old, and it actually says that his body was as good as dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In other words, all the facts were, it's over. It's not going to happen. You've missed it. It's too, too late. Too little, too late. Yet it said that Abraham believed God. And it said he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but he believed that it would be just as God said to him. And that's why he's called the father of faith. And that's why that when Abraham believed God, in that moment it was credited to him for righteousness. 
Now, there's a lot of people that's written a lot of books about Abraham, remember, offering his son in Genesis 22 on Mount Moriah as a sacrifice in obedience to God. You know the problem I have with all those books that, that, that I've seen and read? All those books focus on this. You know what? It's, it's kind of scary because they, 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 they approach that story. In other words, God speaks to Abram, Abraham and to offer his son Isaac as a, as a burnt offering on Mount Moriah. And, 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 but all of that is just types and shadows, if you will, of what God was trying to reveal that he was going to do. How, how could God communicate to the world about what he was facing, that he was going to do, that he was going to offer his son? See, the Bible calls Isaac uh, Abraham's only begotten son. And in Genesis 22 is the first time in your Bible that the word love even appears. And the first time love appears, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and offer him to me on that mountain that I will show you. See, the, the first time love appears is between the love of a father for his son. And that's what God's trying to reveal to the world through that that man living like a prophet, really, Abraham acting out what God was about to do. But these books that I've read, they're all, they all write these books, and they're thinking about, I wonder what was going through Abraham's mind, you know, that morning that uh, after God had told him that he needed to offer up Isaac, you know, on that mountain in three days. And, and what, you know, the motivation behind these books is all focused on, you know, God, you know what? God may ask you to sacrifice your son. God ain't going to ask you to sacrifice your son, your daughter, or anything else because, because Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son. Because God sacrificed his own son so that you don't have to sacrifice yours. Amen. God gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not have to perish but would have life everlasting. See, that's, that, that, that's what God did. And, and so we, 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 you've got to know that, that we've got to believe in that. When, 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 when Abraham went up there, he offered, he, you, know, how, how, you know, some people say, I wonder, you know, he delayed, did he drag around? You know, that morning, you know. No, no. the, the Bible says that he, he arose early in the morning and, and went to do it. Why drag around when there's a miracle waiting on you? I mean, why drag your feet if you know that you're fixing to experience a miracle? And this is why this man didn't stagger because this is what he believed. He finally got to the place that he believed God. Now, a lot of people make the big deal that Genesis 22, when he's offering up Isaac, that's when he really, no, no. Abraham believed God, it said in Genesis 15. And back in Genesis 15 is when he believed God. And back in Genesis 15 it says that's when it was accredited to him or accounted to him as righteousness. Listen, righteousness has always been by faith, not by works. Faith in a person and his name's Jesus. And so Abraham believed. And so Abraham surmised this, I guess, in his mind. He said, God said that out of this my son would the promised seed come. And I know he told me I'm going to go offer my son as a sacrifice. And that means he'll be killed. And he will die. So that must mean, because God's not a liar and his promises are yes and amen, that God's going to raise my son from the dead, even if I kill him. Because what Abraham told those servants, remember those two servants that accompanied him to the foot of the mountain? He said, you stay here while me and my son go yonder and worship. And then he said this, and we will return unto you. He knew he was coming back down that mountain with that boy, no matter what happened on top of that mountain. And that's why Jesus said of him in John 8 that Abraham saw my day, and he was glad. Abraham saw the resurrection. He saw my power, that even if a person dies, I can raise them from the dead. And Abraham believed in that so much that he even drew back the knife 
And God, God intervened and said, do not touch a hair on the boy's head. He said, I will provide for myself a sacrifice. And that was God telling the world, I'm going to provide myself as the sacrifice. That's what God did. And there was a ram caught in the thicket. Where was the place that God provided? And that's where, you know what Abraham said? He said, this is, I'm going to call God Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Well, where does God provide for us at? At the moment of our sacrifice. At the moment that you need it, there is God the provider on that mount. Can you say amen to God's word? Now, I, I, I want to say this to you. Listen, if God says to you, and if God has made a promise to you, whatever it is, and I'm talking about, I don't mean you had to have some prophet or some prophetic person, which we believe in that, to say the promise of God to you. And that's wonderful and awesome, and we do that and believe in that. But I'm just saying the promises that are already wrote down for you. I'm talking about the ones that's in those 66 books in your lap called the Bible. I'm talking about all those promises that God has made us, and a few of them that I just read to you. The I wills of God. It ain't based on us. And if you fall and fail and fumble, the promise of God is still sure and steadfast. If we're unfaithful, God said, I will remain faithful. Because God can't help himself, he says. It's all based on his goodness. It's all based on who he is. And so, listen, I, I love it when, when, when the disciples were told by Jesus, we're going to cross to the other side. And, and, and so, listen, you've you got to get this. If God says a promise to you, we're going to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. There's another side to this problem. There's another side. If you, God says to you, you, we're going to the other side, then by God, you're going to the other side. <laughs> Now, it don't matter what happens in the journey because what happened to them was a big storm hit them. But if God said you're going to the other side, no matter how stormy it gets, you just have to keep saying it don't matter what it looks like or feels like, and I'm a little nauseated because of the storm, but we're going to the other side. Well, how do you know? Because God said we're going to the other side. So no matter what's thrown at you during the middle and the crossing over, you're going to the other side. Amen. See, that's how you see the, these people in the Bible, like the, like the Apostle Paul in Acts 27. He's being transported by ship. And I won't read all the verses to you. It's pretty cool, though. He, he's being transported to Rome to come before Caesar. And, and so he's on this journey, and he's on this boat with these guys, and, and, and they're at a port, and, and they're going to set sail, and winter's coming. And Paul says, the preacher, the apostle, says to these, these boatmen, the master of the ship and the owner of the ship and the helmsman. He said, he said, brothers, I perceive that this journey will be, be met with great disaster and we should not sail from this port. And it said that they paid more attention, though, to the helmsman and to the owner of the ship. And it said the majority, everybody say majority, the majority said we should sail on. You know the majority is always right. Don't you know that? And so they listened to them, the Bible says, more than that they did to the words of Paul, which was really the word of God. And listen, a lot of times we suffer disaster and loss in our lives. We suffer because we don't listen to what God said to do. Because the Bible said the next verse, it said that the sun came out and it was a pleasant south wind and they perceived their journey would be fine and they went ahead and they didn't listen to the preacher and they just shoved on off. And it said it wasn't long. It was a great, it's really like a hurricane, uses a Greek word, came against them that they were unable 
to deal with. Sailors all going crazy, throwing their stuff overboard, writing out their wills, <laughs> making plans to die. And an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul on that ship, and he said, it stood by me this night. And he said, there shall be no loss of life if they'll bide in the ship, but they will be lost in disaster of the ship. So Paul comes out, and he, he gathers all the sailors together, and he said, listen, guys, an, an angel stood by me this night and said that it is necessary that I shall appear before Caesar. So in other words, no matter what's going on, I'm not going to die because I got a promise that I'm going to see Caesar. And best I can tell, I haven't met Caesar yet. So no matter what this storm does, I'm not going to die in this thing because I got a prophetic word that I'm going to meet with Caesar. See, when you stand on the promise, I can't remember the guy's name right now. I didn't even think about it until this, just this second. You can Google it and search it out. It's been many years ago now. But there, there, was, there was a Georgia uh, senator, congressman. He, he was in the House or either in the Senate. He was running for that position. And he was making a speech at the Holiday Inn in, near Atlanta, one of those, you know, out of his district. And, and he had a heart attack. I actually saw pictures of him uh, being loaded into the ambulance because he was a person running for state office and it was, there were news people already there covering his speech. And he had a heart attack and, 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 and they were doing CPR on him. And myself as a paramedic for 20 years, I, I vividly know what all that's about. And she was in the emergency room, the wife was, and... and, and uh, she just, she just cried out because they had been in a meeting where a prophet, it was actually Kim Clement, had prophesied that they would have a son and, and that, that he would, this man would uh, win his political, he would go into politics and he would win and he, he would have a son. And so she was standing there and they're saying that her husband is dead and she ain't got any son. And this really happened right here in Georgia. This guy has spent decades or more going all over, uh, you know, if he still does it now or, or what, you know, what's, what's his deal is now, but going to different churches and giving this testimony. And uh, she just stood at his feet and she said, she said, God, you promised us. You promised us a son. My husband can't die. Now, they, he was done flatline, and the doctors had done said he it was done. And when they told her that, she said, he, she said, he can't die. And she just screamed it. And when she did, the monitor started beating again. They are quoted as saying, the doctor said, now look what you've done. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what they say he said. I, I, don't, I wasn't there. He said, now look what you've done. He said, he's going to be brain dead. He's going to be brain, he's been without oxygen. He's going to be, look what you've done. He's going to be brain dead. He was not brain dead. He sat up on the side of the bed. No brain damage. He finished running for that office. He got elected. He had a son, and he went on and lived his life because a woman said, I got a promise from God, and I'm not going to accept what the circumstances say to me. And that's the real deal. You've you, you got to war with your prophecies, the Bible says. 
You make war. Paul told Timothy, son, make war with the prophecies that were prophesied over you. Some, you know, I mean, sometimes I used to hate to get a word about God's going to bless me financially because it seemed like right after you get them words, you go into that wilderness of no money. <laughs> just like, it's just, but see, the word of the Lord that comes to you, it must be tried to see if you believe it. Or are you going to go by what you see? Or are you going to go by who you know? See, 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 see that's the difference. The Apostle Paul said we shouldn't sell. He said, but this, this is what he said. When that angel appeared to him, he said, you're going to make it to Caesar. Paul told those sailors, he said, listen, for the angel of the Lord stood by me this very night. And he said that it is necessary that I must appear before Caesar. He said, so there shall be no loss of life on this vessel. However, it is necessary that we, we uh, run aground on a certain island. Now, I don't know if you get that or not. But even in our messes, God's done calculated your rebellion, and God and, and there's a there's a there's a purpose and a mission even in your mess. God said it's necessary. He said y'all y'all gonna crash, but I'm gonna make you crash on a certain island because I got a little mission. I need you to run there. The whole island is heathen. Don't believe in me, and the, and the head of the island is sick with a fever and Paul's going to go and lay hands on him and he's going to pronounce my healing power and he's going to be healed and he's going to raise up from the dead almost and the whole island's going to turn their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so I need y'all to make a little pit stop here on your, on your boat crashing here. <laughs> I done told you this before, but God's done factored in all your mess and mine too. And all your rebellion. Jonah rebels against God, and he just, it, the Bible just says it goes down into the ship, goes down to Joppa, goes down to this, and he goes down in the water, and goes down in the sea. But it says, but the Lord had, past tense, prepared a great fish to swallow, not eat, not jaws, not God paying him back for being rebellious and not obeying him, but a loving father saving him. Now, you might not like the vehicle that you get to your destiny in, but you ain't better than God, and you're going to get there even if you have to ride in a stinking fish's belly. Now, you could have been on a nice boat, and they could have been serving you nice meals, and you could have rode above water. But you're hard-headed, and now you got to ride in a nasty fish under the water, and he's going to vomit you out. But you still going to get where God said you was going. You be bad as you want to be. <laughs> but God is still God, and you are still not. Amen? It's just calling on how good a ride you want to get there. Amen? <laughs> God prepared a fish to swallow him, not to eat him, not to pay him back, not to hurt him, to pre preserve him. See, because our lives is really not just about us having a good journey because God had a whole place called Nineveh that was heathenistic, idol worshipers that were all dying for not knowing the true and living God. And God was concerned about all those people. There was over one million souls at Nineveh that needed to hear the good news of the love of God. And God said, boy, you go in there because i got to have a preacher, and I chose you. <laughs> and Jonah the prophet got there. He got there kind of weird, but he got there anyway. And he went in there and preached. And you know what his message was? Forty days and this place won't even be on the map because it was Old Covenant now. It's judgment and wrath. Jesus hadn't went to the cross yet. 
But he said, 40 days and they shall be no more Nineveh. You know what the people did? It says they repented in sackcloth and ashes. And they cried out to God for mercy. God comes to the preacher and says, uh, it ain't going to happen. And it, it's going really, to be kind of you know, really bad for you because you're going to look like a false prophet. And I'm not going to clean it up for you. But they have turned their heart to me, so there's not going to be any judgment coming to these people. Because I'm a God that desires mercy and not wrath. Jonah got mad about that because he wanted them, he wanted to look good. He wanted to say, I told y'all 40 days. But see, that's not who God is. That's not who God is at all. Never been that way. See, Abraham, the Bible uses this phrase, but he, said he, was, he was fully persuaded. It uses the same phrase about the Apostle Paul, being fully persuaded. And so when Paul stood on that ship, he said, I, he said, gentlemen, there will be no loss of life. He said, not a hair of your head will fall from, from your head. Not a hair will fall from your head. And, but he says this, he said, you must abide in the ship now. And, and, and then he says this, he said, for I am persuaded that it will, I, and he said this, I believe God that it will be just as he promised. And that ship hit those rocks. And it came apart. The soldiers were about to kill all the prisoners. And Paul said, don't do it now. Everybody's going to live through this if you just listen to me. So they put away their swords. The ship broke up. And you've heard me say this to you before probably. But they did make it to shore. And, and, and the Bible says they floated in on parts of the ship. On boards and pieces of the ship. But they still made it. You know, and, and that's a pretty rough day for a preacher, right? Paul had it pretty rough that day. I mean, he's floating up there on a piece of board like the rest of them. Because they were hard-headed. They wouldn't listen. And, and, and you know, and I've told you this before, sometimes you're going to make it to where God wants you to, but sometimes, you know, you make it on a piece of a board, piece of a ship. You ever made it with a piece of a car? <laughs> piece of a job? Piece of a paycheck? Just a piece, but you're still going to make it because God's for you. Just God's for you. And then Paul gets to the island, and they all, they, they've been thrown into Adriatic Sea. It's wintertime, y'all. It's cold. They're freezing. <laughs> First thing Paul wants to do is build a fire. And he sees the natives, it says, of the island start building a fire on their behalf. And Paul says, I'm going to help you. See, you've got to help people that's trying to help you. Man, I wish I could preach this more. You got see when you see some if somebody's trying to build a fire for your cold behind, how about you throwing a log on there for them? How about you helping out just a little bit? If somebody loves you enough to build you a fire, why don't you gather up a stick or two? Y'all know I'm preaching. I'm all up in you, Kool-Aid. If they're trying to help you, you be for gathering sticks. Let's get this fire even bigger. Let's warm more people. Let's save more folks. So here, Paul, he's had a really rough journey, just like the rest of them. Oh, he's trying, he's just obeying God. He's doing what God said. And he reaches to throw the, the sticks on there, and it, one of the sticks ain't a stick. One of the sticks is a viper, snake. Am I in the book, Ivory? And, and, and the Bible says it don't just bite him. It, it attaches itself to his hand. 
Now that's a bad, that snake trying to kill you. <laughs> that snake can't just bite, move, that, that snake bite, stay. Now, I would have been speaking in every tongue if I'd even seen a snake, much less if he, if he, he don't have to be pausing for a snake to kill me because I'll run into a tree and kill myself. <laughs> I do not do snakes of any kind. I've never have held one, never will. I'll hold them with a shovel. <laughs> oh, I just don't fool with them. And that viper latched itself, the Bible says, to his hand. And what Paul did is he shook it off into the fire. See, there are, there are things in your life that, that, that will look like they're supposed to help you. Like a stick should burn and give heat. But that stick turned out to be a serpent and it hurt you. Tried to kill you. See, there's, there, 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 there are people like that. There are people in your life that you thought was going to be a stick. They're going to be a help to you. And they turned out to be a snake. Come on, y'all. Y'all lived on this same planet with me? And, and, and it ain't a stick. It's a serpent. And, and it's trying to kill you. And, and, but God ain't going to let it kill you. And God ain't going to let it kill you. All, all you got to understand is just shake it off. Well, what they said, shake it off. Well, what do they said, I don't care what they said about shake it off. But you don't know what that, you better shake it off. Shake it off where? In the consuming fire of God. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. We'd be playing sports. People break a leg, really, in football, remember. You got two lower leg bones. You touch them and shake it off. Get back out there. <laughs> Paul shook the snake off into the fire. But see, what's going on is God is showing his supernatural provision for that man. Because then it says all the people on the island of Malta saw that happen. And they said, this man here surely is evil. And the gods have did, you know, said that this will be where he will die because he's violated the gods. And this man's going to die because nobody lives from that kind of snake bite. And they said they stood by waiting on Paul to die. But he didn't die. You ever have folks waiting on you to die but you didn't die? That, you, that some folk wanted you to die, but you just you lived this. I shall live and not die. <laughs> Paul, and, and so they saw that Paul. Let me show you how fickle people are. So they're waiting on him to die, planning his funeral, and it says that he did not die. And then the people flipped and said he must be a god himself. And then they tried to worship him. What they did do is that supernatural provision of God made those people listen to that man. And he preached, the, he preached the gospel to that island. He preached Jesus to them. And that whole island converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And see, and, and, and all of that came out of, a, out of a shipwreck. You know, you've got to understand that just like Abraham, he, he, he said that if Isaac dies, God said, I would have a, a seed that would come through him. And, and he said, I know that God's going to raise him. I, I, I know he will. And, 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 and he believed God. That this is all that God is asking, is that you place your faith in him. Last thing I've mentioned this to you before, sometimes people read stories in the New Testament, and, and some things that Jesus did sometimes bugs them. And one of the things that bothers people sometimes is when Jesus has this woman who has a demonized daughter 
and she comes desperately to the Lord. And she's heard he's passing by this way, and, and she cries out with a loud voice, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have... And, and listen, and the Bible says he answered her not a word. Now, see, people don't like that story because, they, you know, like Jesus is nice and he's good and he always helps us, you know, when we cry out. But this woman cried out. He didn't help her. He didn't say boo. He ignored her. It, said, it says in the Bible, read it, he answered her not a word. So she cries even louder. The disciples tells her to be quiet. Send her away. She's crying out this phrase, son of David. Have mercy on me. Now, most of us Gentile Christians, we read our Bibles and have no clue because we are so, been so separated from our Jewish roots that we miss great revelation. Because of that ignorance, we make the woman at the well a harlot. The Bible never says she's any such thing. We make her a sexually promiscuous woman who the Bible never hints of such atrocities. And all them preachers that preached her as being a harlot are going to have to look at her in heaven. She's going to got some for you. Because <laughs> she was not that. Why wasn't she that? Because she's a woman, and in those days, a woman can't divorce a man no matter what that man did to her. But she had been married and divorced five times. That means she had five men reject her. She was living with a man, granted. It didn't say she was having sex with a man. That's your nasty mind. But they didn't have no welfare system and food stamps and none of that kind of stuff in those days. And so maybe, maybe, just maybe she's living with a person for food, clothing, and shelter. Maybe. But I don't care how many times people have rejected you and all the hell you've been through, Jesus is still for you. And so Jesus meets this woman at the well. And he carries on a conversation. He initiates it. A matter of fact. And he's a Jewish rabbi. And Jewish rabbis don't talk to Gentiles, men, much less women and he reveals himself to her he just said woman would you get me a drink and she says well the well's deep blah blah whatever he said woman if you knew who you was talking to you'd ask me and I'd give you a drink you would never thirst again girl she said I want that kind of water now why do you think that woman got rejected five times you must know this in Jewish in the Jewish uh, times or the Bible times a woman could not divorce a man there was no such thing as a woman divorcing a man all that man had to do was march you to the door say three times I divorced thee I divorced thee I divorced thee and you hit the bricks that was it so five men had rejected her I wonder why because it is very important for men to be able to continue their lineage and their seed and so it is my belief based on what I know of the Bible that this woman was unable to get pregnant I'm also a believer that she must have been fine. She was pretty. Because apparently five men, different men, wanted her as their wife, her, as, as his wife. So five men accepted her, but give her time and space to get pregnant. She could not. They therefore had to find a woman that could get pregnant so their seed could continue. They divorced her. Didn't want to, but they divorced her nonetheless. You don't go through divorce without feeling rejected. Rejection. One time, two times, three times, four times, five times rejected. After a while, you get to feel like you're a piece of trash. You're not worth nothing. I used to do something years ago. A lot hadn't done it in a long time, and I don't have the money on me to do it today. 
I used to keep a $100 bill, kind of fresh one in my, my wallet. And I'd pull it out sometimes at moments like this. I should have planned on this. Brilliant stuff hits my mind when I'm up here. <laughs> but I, I should have, I pull the $100 bill out sometime and I'll just say, and I've done this over and over. My wife knows I've done this. I'll give away a lot of $100 bills. But I'll just whoop it out, you know, and I'll say, who wants this? And boy, all of a sudden all the sleepers are awake in the church. Hands are going up. They're not praising God, but they're saying, I want that $100 bill. And I, and I say, who wants this? And they go, I want it. And then I'll wad it up just as tight as I can wad it up. And then I'll unfold it. And it's all Mr. Wrinkles now. And I say, who wants it now? All the hands are just, yeah. I say, well, how much is it worth now? Is it still worth 100 Yeah. You still want it? Yeah. And then I'll wad it back up, and I'll throw it on the carpet, and then I'll do this to it, and I'll just stomp it under my foot, and I'll, I'll just grind it in the ground. And then I'll reach down and pick it up and unfold it, and it's getting, it's getting tattered by the moment. And I, who wants it now? How much is it worth? $100. Why? Because what it's been through? No, because the U.S. Treasury says it's worth 100 And then I'll take it, and I'll wad it back up again, and then I'll do this. I spit on it. And then I unfold it and I say, who wants it now? About half the hands will go down. <laughs> I'm serious, the hands will go. He spit on it. I say, how much is it worth now? $100. Because the U.S. Treasury says it's worth 100 And it ain't got a hill of beans to do what it's been through with who spit on it. Still worth 100 who wants it now? There'll still be some that say, I still want it. Now, you kind of know where I'm going with this. But you're more valuable than a $100 bill. And, and, and God says, this is what you're worth to me. So if you really want to know now what you're worth, what your value is, your value is Jesus, is God's life. Because how value is established in this world, regardless of the country, is by what a person's willing to pay for it and the rarity of that item. Those two things drive all value. We'll deal with rarity. There's never been one like you never will be. You're the rarest of all rare. The, the, the second aspect is what is a person willing to pay for you? God said, you are so valued to me, I will give my life in exchange for yours. So you are as valuable to God as God is because that's what it cost him to redeem you. No matter what you've been through and how many times you've been rejected and who has spit on you and who has done whatever to you or what you have done to yourself, God still loves you and your value is the same. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He set your value before you ever was. And there is nothing that you could do to ever demean your value or lessen it or decrease it in the sight of God. Nothing. God loves you. And God has set his price. And, and he paid too much for you to leave you alone. God's not a God that will try one time to redeem you, one time to save you, and you don't accept it, and he pouts and walks away and just dooms you. No, God doesn't do that at all. God's going to trail you like a bloodhound from heaven. You might go to hell, but you're going to do it while you fight in hell to get there. 
It'll be your choice, but you'll have to crawl over every boulder of love, every obstacle God will throw in your path. You'll have to crawl over everybody that's trying to reach out to you on behalf of God because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he values you, and that's how much he paid for you, and he's not going to go away. Can you say amen to God? Now, God's given you precious promises. I know you got problems. Hey, man, I feel you. I do too. I got problems that's bigger than me. I got problems so complicated, so convoluted, I don't even have the math skills to begin to try to work the equation of fixing it. I, I am not joking. But all I can do is go to God with a promise. Father, this is your promise to me. I stand on this. I stand on this. I stand on your word. I'm going through hell in a storm right now, but you said we're going to the other side. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> I really do want to get there quickly. You know what the Bible says? Jesus come to him walking on the water. You know the story Peter gets out of the boat. As long as he looked at Jesus, he still walked on water too. But you get your eyes on your problem. That's when you, and then it says this. I love this in the scriptures. It says, and Peter beginning to sink. I don't know if you ever fell out of a boat. I have, accidentally. You don't begin to sink. You sink like a rock. There's no beginning to sink. It's not like you're being lowered slowly into the water to have time. No, you're, you're under. But that didn't happen to Peter. As soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, then he began, he began slowly to sink. And then he looks around and realizes he's sinking, and he cries out and says, Lord, have mercy on you know, help me. And it says immediately, I love that, immediately Jesus took him. Now, what do you think? You, you think Jesus threw him over his shoulder, did the fireman's carry? Do, do you think Jesus just piggybacked him all the way or hop on, Peter, I'll get you back to the boat? No. He, see, he got the, that's pretty cool, get walk on the water. He's really walking on God's promise, God's word. Jesus didn't give that guy but one word. He said, he said Lord, if that's this really you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. See, you, you don't need God to say a whole lot to you. Just one word from God, that'll, that'll keep you. If you just walk on the word you received last time, you, you, that'll keep you right there. Just that one word from God, come. So Peter put faith in that one word, come. He didn't say come and if you come, I'll do No, 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 not, no fine print here. Just come. Come. He's walking on the water. Gets his eyes off. It's easy for us to do, man. It's easy for me to do. Start focusing on my problem. Man, look how big them waves are. Man, look at my checkbook ledger. Man, look at my health. Man, look at this. Man. And for long, buddy, you begin to sink. You sink into despair, depression, hopelessness. You, you begin to sink. And you, you feel yourself sinking. You, you know you're sinking. The remedy for that is not to focus more. It's, look, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Immediately, immediately the Lord took him. And, and I, I think it's so cool that Peter got to walk on the water a second time. Even if you failed, you get to do it again. You get to do it again. And it says that Jesus, when he stepped into the boat, it says immediately they were at the other side. God, God can, can fast track things. But you know, let me end with this. Even when they got to the other side, you know what was waiting on them? A demonized man. Do you not remember that about the story? When they get to the other side, there's a man. They, they land at this place called Gadara, and there's a demonic man who, who lives among the tombs. He cuts himself. 
He runs naked. They can't keep clothes on the guy. And he harasses and scares and, and torments any travelers that come through that area. And often that they have chained him with chains and he would have supernatural demonic strength and he would burst asunder the chains. Jesus encounters that man and he actually comes running to, up to Jesus and he said all the demons are crying out, Lord, have you come to torment us before? And Jesus said, what's your name, man? My name is Legion, for we are many. <laughs> you know what Legion means? 6,000. 6,000. Listen, why, why is that in the Bible? Because Jesus wanted you to know that the most demonized human being ever been, I don't mean, I'm talking about a demon-possessed human that has 6,000 demons. The most demonized person, Jesus can set them free. He said, we, my name's Legion, we are men. And Jesus said, I command, just with one command, I command you to leave him, to go out of him. And then it says the next picture we see in the Bible, he's clothed in his right mind, sitting, talking to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, I want to just hang with you, man. I want to go with you wherever you go. He said, what I need you to do is go back to your family now and tell them what I've done for you how good I've been to you, and how much I love you. They miss you, son. They miss you. They thought you just plumb gone, beyond help, beyond hope, so demonized that you'll never live through it. But Jesus says, no, that's not the story, your story, because I'm writing history, his story. And so I say, you're free. You got your mind right now. Go home. Tell them all the good things that God's done for you. That's all God wants us to do. See, sometimes the reason you're going through such a storm is because there's somebody on the other side of that thing that needs what you've got on the inside of you. They need Jesus, and you just don't know how bad. And you don't ever have to be worried about no devil. Man, if 6,000 of them can go out that quick, who's on the inside of us? Jesus. And this sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, not counsel them out, negotiate them out, not go through. Th no, no, no. They'll just cast them out. What do they cast them out with? With his word. With his word. You just believe God's promises. You stand on them. You might be in a storm, but we're going to the other side. Because God says we are. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me this morning? If you receive the word, would you give God a hand clap of praise and thank him for his word? Hey, man, if you're going through something this morning and you would like us to pray with you and pray for you, it's just 10 minutes till noon. I, I've got nine more minutes to kill with you guys. I, I, I might get in trouble if I leave this early. I'm, I'm being silly. But listen, seriously, if you want us to pray with you, if there's something if you something in the message, something that God's touching on, has nothing to do with the message, but you want me and my elders to pray for you and pray with you about any kind of problem you're facing, and all we can do is recite the promise that God has for that problem, you will not have a problem that God does not have a promise for. Can you say amen? And we'll, we'll be up here. I'll be here. And my elders will see if you come, and they'll come and help me, won't you, guys? And we love you here. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we love those guys on Facebook. I don't ever forget about you. And uh, we're working every day, really. we got some things going where we're trying to make our audio a little better. Uh, you can always listen to our podcast that's uploaded in the Sunday afternoons most often. And uh, it's crystal clear on that podcast. I promise you the podcast is crystal clear audio. And, 
because it's run right through the soundboard. But, but there's a lot of ways to get this message and share it with somebody. You know somebody that needed to hear what was said today, don't you? I might play it and see if I can't encourage myself during the week <laughs> while I'm riding up down the roads. Amen. But we dismiss you in Jesus' name. We love you guys. If you want anything, prayer and all, please come up, and I'll be up here waiting for you. We love you guys. God bless you.